Thanks for listening today to In 16 Years. I'm Amy, and this is a podcast where I talk about what I've learned in 16 years of living with stage 4 endo, severe IBS, fibromyalgia, and interstitial cystitis. My name is Brittany, and I live with celiac disease, anxiety, and my own hormonal fun. We hope this show will inspire you, empower you, and help you feel supported on your own health journey. Brittany and I are not doctors, dietitians, mental health professionals, experts on endometriosis, or any kind of qualified medical professional. So that means that none of the information we share on this podcast is medical or mental health advice. If you get inspired by something we say, always consult your qualified medical professional first before making any changes. Hey everyone, I'm here before the episode starts to bring you learning moments with Amy. Now that I've been podcasting and advocating for a few years, my understanding of endometriosis, as well as the issues that our community faces, well, they've really evolved and progressed over the years. So I've been going through our earliest episodes because I want to make sure that these earliest published episodes have accurate information in them. For this episode, I'd like to say that something that we didn't mention that is extremely important is how doctors can have implicit or explicit bias. In episodes 44 through 50, we talk about medicine's sex and gender bias, as well as racial bias in medical care. And we really encourage you to listen to those full episodes. But for now, I want to acknowledge that discrimination towards people based on gender, sexuality, race, religion, disability, socioeconomic status, and other identities is unfortunately all too common. And it can negatively impact a patient's ability to get the diagnosis or the treatment or the referrals that they need. Additionally, our ability to access medical care is different among us. Due to what's available locally, our insurance situation, our finances, and more. Some of us can access second opinions, third opinions, fourth opinions for our medical problem, and some of us can't even access basic care. The state of endometriosis care and medical care in general, worldwide, has many barriers and is very varied. And Brittany and I sincerely hope that you can access the medical care that you deserve and that you need. And finally, I just wanted to clarify that in this episode, when I talk about the hormone shot that I took, I'm referring to Depo-Provera. All right, thanks for joining Learning Moments with Amy, and we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Today, we're going to talk about what I've learned from seeking medical care and finding a good doctor. If you listened to the last episode, which is about my struggle to be diagnosed, Brittany and I laughed about a lot of my pretty negative experiences (laughs) with finding a doctor, and there were a lot of them. But by the end of the episode, I talked about how just in this past year, I managed to find not just one doctor, but a whole team of doctors who, who know how to take care of endometriosis and who were able to recommend really good treatment plans for me. And finally, I have hope of feeling somewhat better. And I am feeling better than I was even just eight months ago. It's been really exciting, and I want to just talk about what I've personally learned from going to the doctor, going to the doctor, over and over, trying to find a good doctor. 
So we're going to talk about nine things that you can keep in mind when you're trying to seek or find a doctor. Tip number one, never stop advocating for yourself. So if you listened to the last episode about my struggle to be diagnosed, you know that I love the doctor that I had now, but I had to search to find him. And I mean search, like far and wide. World over. (laughs) That's not a lie. World over. (laughs) So we know it can be really hard to be diagnosed and it can take several doctors and it can take several years before we can find the right doctor and we can get a diagnosis. If you go to a doctor and this doctor doesn't believe your symptoms or is dismissive or, you know, they just imply like, hey, you just have to toughen up, then look for another doctor. It's really tiring and frustrating to go from one doctor to another. And I know it feels extremely vulnerable to open up to the doctors and to just be brushed off. But it's important that you find one that will actually listen to you so that you can start finding the care and the treatment that you need. And the first step is finding the doctor that will listen. In my case, without meaning to, I just gave up looking for a doctor because I felt really fed up with them. You know, looking back, I do regret. I feel like had I continued pushing to look for a doctor when I was in my early 20s, I probably could have been diagnosed years earlier. And I might have been diagnosed when the endo wasn't so bad, when it wasn't at stage four, and I might not have lost my left ovary. The only reason why I ended up going back to keep searching for the doctor was because, I don't know, when I turned 30 and I, you know, my symptoms like really took a turn for the worse, my instinct just told me that something was really seriously wrong with me and that I had to find a doctor, that it was really important. I think it's important that You know, if you feel that something is wrong and that doctors are brushing you off and they're making you feel maybe like it's in your head or it's not that bad, if you feel that something is wrong, then just be determined to find the doctor and keep searching until you find one because there are good doctors out there. But sometimes it takes going through five, eight doctors to find the one that's right for you and to find the one that knows how to care for you. Well, that's very true. And I remember when we were doing research and we found out that not all gynecologists are specialized or have extensive training in endometriosis. And so I would say our second tip would be looking for a gynecologist that has training and experience in treating endometriosis. Endometriosis is super complex and it's not something that an average gynecologist comes across every day. So Without a gynecologist having done training and research in that area, it's very easy for them to not know the next steps to take. Or to not even be able to recognize the symptoms of the disease, which which is what kept happening in my case. Mm -hmm. And so I'm sure people out there have experienced a gynecologist either not having an answer for you or telling you that you do not have endometriosis because they may not actually be trained in looking for endometriosis. So It's very important to find a doctor that's knowledgeable on endo and actually has experience working with endo. I mean, yeah, the doctor that I have now, who I love, I'm over the moon, (laughs) and he takes my insurance, which is most important. Yes, really. (laughs) But the doctor that I have now, he has seen hundreds of cases of endometriosis. And I think, I didn't even realize, but 
there are actually clinics out there that only treat patients with endometriosis. So I think there are very few and far between, but there are a couple in the country where they just, they see a really high volume of endometriosis and they know how to diagnose you and they know how to treat you. And a clinic's not the only place you can find that. There are doctors, like yeah, Amy's my, doctor. My doctor is not a doctor. Who's just an independent doctor who is highly skilled and high experience level in endometriosis. So they do exist. And I remember when Amy found her doctor, because I was there for every step of the way. Every step. I remember how we learned that gynecology didn't include such extensive training on endometriosis. It's similar to any kind of doctor discipline where you learn the general discipline and some people specialize in certain aspects or have personal interest in a certain aspect. So that's kind of similar to how this works. And I remember that you went to that first appointment and you were charging in ready to advocate for yourself, ready, gung-ho, strong, ready to tell him everything about how you felt. <laughs> yes, you had. She had practiced on me. And she started by saying, like, okay, I'm going to describe my symptoms to you. And three words out of her mouth, and he just said, I know. I know how bad it is. And that was the first time that somebody had actually said to you, I understand what you're experiencing. It's horrible. I'm so sorry you're experiencing that. I see this every day. Here's how we're going to fix it. And that was such an incredible moment because he actually was specialized in how people experience endo and he was able to diagnose you and talk about treatment options, which had never happened before. So I think it's really important to look for people who specialize in this and not just any gynecologist can get you the treatment that you need. A lot of doctors on their websites, they'll put things like, I treat fibroids, I treat endometriosis, I do XYZ treatments or procedures. They'll say what kind of technique they use. Is mm -hmm. it robotic? Is it not? A lot of times you can get a pretty good feel on their website for what they do. You can also call. And even at the appointment, you yeah, can ask, ask like, them. how often do you see endometriosis? How familiar with it are you? Like, how many cases do you think that you've seen per year? How many have you operated on with this disease, et cetera? Do you use excision? So the whole list of questions. And this is actually a very good lead-in to tip number three. Ooh. Make empowered and educated decisions about your medical treatment. I personally have learned a lot through a Facebook group. It's called Nancy's Nook Endometriosis Education. That was kind of a mouthful, right? <laughs> yeah, wow. <laughs> um, but it'll be, that'll be in the show notes. Please just note that I'm not affiliated with this group in any way. And this is not sponsored. No. So this is just me sharing a resource that I have found extremely useful. So this is a closed Facebook group and you just ask for permission to join. Just make sure you go ahead and read the group rules because basically it has files and links so that you can educate yourself on endometriosis so that you can make more informed choices. And it was from this group that I learned about how to choose the right doctor for me and also the questions that I should ask the doctor about different treatment options, the questions I should ask in relation to these treatment options. So this group has been extremely, extremely resourceful for me. And I can't imagine having found the experienced doctor that I found without having read all the information in the files of the group. I think it's really awesome that you were able to find that resource because 50 years ago, I mean, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Oh, definitely 15 years ago. I yeah, felt like there was nothing. We didn't have that information. And not only did we not have it, we didn't have access to it. There's so many books and the internet 
magazines, articles, journals, educational journals, research that we've been able to do on our own. So an independent research. If you want to find information, just doing a simple internet search can help you get in the right direction. You're probably not going to find the deep information you're looking for on the internet. It's better to look at articles. You can use the Google Scholar feature, which helps you find researched and credit articles and journals. And books are really a great resource to get really deep, in-depth information. Ebooks, there's so much information that we can find as non-doctors to figure out how to get more information and stay more informed. Always remember to take things with a little grain of salt because there's a lot of misinformation on the internet and in books and in other published works as well. So what you learn is never a substitute for professional medical advice. So make sure that whatever you learn, you're taking to your doctor to discuss with them. Because there is so much misinformation out there on endometriosis and the internet is like a wild, wild jungle of misinformation, we've put together a long list of resources we've found trustworthy. We definitely recommend that you check them out. We've put links to articles, educational groups on endometriosis, resources to help you find a doctor, and even more. And you'll find all of that on our website, which is in16years.com, and that'll be in the resources tab. And our website, in16years.com, that's listed in the show notes today. So before I found this doctor, the first doctor that told me originally that she suspected that I had endometriosis, And then in that same appointment, she began to explain some of the treatment options. And suddenly, I was realized I was way in over my head. I had no idea any of these medicines. I'd never heard of them. I didn't know what we were talking about. And I was feeling really uncomfortable, really anxious, and just, it was really... Overwhelmed. Yeah, it was really, really overwhelming. I just thought, okay, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to go home. I'm going to just read and absorb everything that I can about endometriosis, what it is, treatment options, what others are saying who have the disease, who have tried these different things. And I'm going to empower myself with information so that I can make the best informed decision possible. And I want to compare two decisions that I made. One was a decision that I made when I was, I think I was like, 18 or 17 or 18 years old. You can't be held accountable for those decisions. (laughs) Let's be fair to ourselves. I was really young and it was totally new to this whole doctor world and the symptoms had just begun. I just started seeing doctors for treatments for, I was having recurring ovarian cysts and I was having a lot of diarrhea, a lot of nausea. Just, it was totally It was a real fun time at 18. (laughs) Yeah. College was fun. At that time, I was working with a doctor, and we were trying to control the symptoms via birth controls. And I was having a lot of trouble with different methods of birth control, and I was bouncing around to different birth controls because all of them were making me really sick with the side effects. Then I went to this appointment, and I told her, you know, I'm just done with birth control. And she said, well, there's a different kind of birth control that it's a shot. And she just reassured me that this was different from other hormones because there were no side effects. It's interesting that you say that because that's not the first time I've heard somebody say that their doctor told them there wasn't side effects with specifically that kind of birth control. I think it's just important for us to know that every type of medication has side effects. So you should always discuss what to expect with your doctor when you're talking about taking a new type of medication. 
Well, and I think too, I mean, in this case, she actually did tell me there were no side effects. And I didn't know what I know now. But again, you can always in that appointment say, well, I'm not sure. Or write my description, I may or may not pick it up, or I'm not sure I, I'm going to check into it. Some I'm, more. Yeah, I'm going to check. I'm going to make a follow-up appointment with you. And a lot of these medicine perspectives, they're available online. So you can see like direct from the company, the doses, the side effects and all of that. So again, you can do your own independent research about what you're putting into your body, which is something that I always do now. But then <laughs> at that time, well, at that time, you know, the thing is, I was 18 and I was really, really tired of having uncontrollable diarrhea and cramps. Honestly, I was pretty naive, right? And I was scared. So I, I think, too, it's like there was part of me that said, well, this is kind of a red flag because all these other birth controls have had pretty major side effects for me. I mean, some people take birth control and they're, they're fine. fine mm-hmm. and, but for me, it was just clear that I, wasn't, I did not react very well to hormones. But you wanted to believe her. Yeah. You but wanted to feel better. I just, I wanted it to work. I wanted her to be right. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted my miracle. Mm-hmm. I let her inject it in me. And I basically, I had debilitating nausea for two months. And I had hot flashes and mood swings. It was really not a fun college semester at all. I just think that if I had researched it before taking it, I would have learned about the possible side effects. To be totally honest, at that time, I probably still would have taken it, right? Because I wanted to see if it would help me. Like, I wanted to see if it would be different from the other things that I had been taking. And I wouldn't have known in that moment how badly it was going to affect me. Of course not. It's really hard to make these decisions, right? Because we have no idea what the outcome is going to be of a new medicine or a surgery or a treatment. It's really hard to know if the potential benefits are going to outweigh the side effects or the risks or not. It's really hard to know if the medicine or the procedure is going to cause more suffering or if it's actually going to be the precise thing that is going to help us feel better. I think just learning about what you may be putting into your body helps you feel prepared for what to expect if it doesn't work. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. When I look back at that decision, I realized that that day I did not make an empowered decision. I didn't have any information. I didn't ask any questions. I didn't weigh my options. I didn't really understand the facts. I just said, yes, I want to do this out of, I mean, out of desperation and out of hope Mm -hmm. to feel better. And once the side effects started, I felt so stupid, right? I felt so mad at myself because I should have done more research on my own. I don't know. I also felt betrayed by the doctor, right? Like I also, after that, I stopped seeing that doctor. I decided this is not a doctor that I want to see any further. So I don't know. Maybe, like, maybe she didn't say that. Maybe I misunderstood her. I don't think so, but maybe... I did misunderstand her, but I didn't even ask questions. Like when she said there were no side effects, I was like, oh, my God, that's so great. Sounds amazing. Sounds I, like a miracle. I didn't say anything like, well, really, are you sure? Because all these other ones have given me side effects and it just seems weird. Still the same and... kind of hormones, just in a different entry. So <laughs> that's the truth of it. So I just think if I had any kind of healthy skepticism or any kind of curiosity to research about it, then maybe we could have discussed it further and we would have clarified the situation. Or I would have taken it 
knowing, okay, there are side effects. And when the side effects hit, I wouldn't have felt so mad at myself for making such a decision. And comparing this with the decision that I made just a few months ago with my current endo doctor, he suggested that we do excision surgery. So this is the first that I really had heard about excision surgery. What I did was I said, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about it. I made a follow-up appointment for the next week, and I went home. I read as much as I could about that kind of surgery, about endometriosis treatments in general, and I even researched about him as a doctor. I went to his website. He had a Facebook page. I said, why not? He had videos online. He had patient reviews. He did interviews um, too, right? Yeah, he had interviews. Then I made the second follow-up appointment with him. That's where I clarified all the doubts. I just went in with a list of questions, and I just basically wanted to make sure that I was really clearly understanding the risks before making my decision. Did I make the right decision at the time? Honestly, I, I wouldn't know until after the surgery, right? But I wouldn't know until I saw the outcome. I wouldn't know until I saw how I felt, and I wouldn't know until I saw if the benefits that I was hoping for outweighed the potential risks. I was really scared, and I didn't make that decision lightly. But at the same time, I felt really confident in my doctor's skill, and I felt empowered in myself. If for some reason this surgery doesn't go well, I know that I can look back and I can say, hey, you know what? I gathered all the information that I could, and I made the best decision that I could at the time based on everything that I learned. I think in addition to the confidence and empowerment that you feel when you've made a decision using all of the possible research and information you can find, you feel a sense of peace with the decision that you've made. And with that peace comes more acceptance with the next steps that are happening. And I think that gives you a good sense of hope and not a false sense of hope because you feel like you know what's happening next and you've made this decision. It was yours. You had autonomy over your decision, over your own body. Yeah, and I felt, even though I wasn't doing the surgery at all, like they just put you under and then you wake up, <laughs> I felt more in control of, and of connected the decision that to I made. what was happening with you and happening with your body. And that's very important because this is the one body we get and we should always be confident at peace with what we're allowing to happen to it. Our next tip goes hand in hand with tip three, and tip four is to ask questions. So once you've put in all that hard work about finding the doctor and doing your independent research. And, and it's you, hard work. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> and you feel like you have sought and gained that knowledge. You need to go to your doctor with that knowledge. As we've said, independent research is not a substitute for a medical professional, but your medical professional will appreciate it if they can speak with you on an informed basis, how much better is it to talk with somebody who already has a base knowledge of what to discuss and what to ask about? It's so much better to be able to ask informed questions that you feel like you're getting really strong, solid, informative answers from rather than questions where you leave the appointment and you feel like you gained no knowledge about what to expect is going to happen to you. If we ask doctors more questions about the things they've experienced, maybe with endo or with whatever we're dealing with at the moment, maybe we'd know that the doctor doesn't have sufficient experience with what we need, or maybe we find out that they do, and then we can find out more information about what they have specialization in, or we can ask them about what to expect in the next steps, and they can give us those correct answers. 
I feel like when we feel prepared, we feel so strong in what we believe we should do next or feel so strong and not scared of asking more questions. So when you start asking questions and you feel like you're getting good answers, it gives you the opportunity to ask more questions, which is a good thing. No, I think that's a good point because basically when you ask questions and you have that dialogue with your doctor and you feel like you're getting answers, for me, it felt easier to make these hard decisions about what I wanted to do with my treatment and if I wanted to have, you know, major surgery. And I think sometimes even like my doctor, as I said, I love my doctor, but I still felt nervous and scared about the surgery, even after asking him all the questions. So I have endo on my bowel and asking him how many cases of endo have you seen with endo on the bowel and how many have you operated on and are you going to work with a general surgeon? So he said to me, well, why don't you go meet the general surgeon? Then I went and I met the general surgeon and I got, I mean, basically like a second opinion about A doctor recommended second opinion. Wow. (laughs) Well, he wanted me to meet that, which is really cool because he wanted me to meet the doctor that he was going to work with on the surgery because he was involving another doctor, a general surgeon, since it was on my bowel. And they often work together. And that leads into point number five, which is get a second opinion if you if you feel that you need another opinion, go get another opinion. Just to get diagnosed, I probably got like ten opinions and I I kept getting ten opinions. Ten bad ones before you found one right one. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. I, I didn't like any of the opinions because they were telling me, Oh, you're not tough enough. Oh, it's in your head. Oh, it's anxiety. I was like, Well, these this doesn't seem right. So I kept going, I kept going, getting like looking for a doctor, getting another opinion. But sometimes even when you have the doctor that you feel confident with or that you like, it can just be reassuring to get a second opinion to say, okay, this is what I have. What approach would you take? I know in the past, for example, I started having a lot of stomach symptoms and having a lot of pain after I ate. And then I started having a lot of like burping and lightheadedness, a lot of really weird symptoms. And I I went to a GI doctor and this doctor told me that it was just my IBS. And IBS is very tricky. And, you know, it can just change and morph. And that's what this doctor told me, that it was just my regular severe IBS. And I was like, no, I'm not. This is not going to be my IBS. I'm not going to deal with all these new symptoms, right? So I decided, okay, you know what? I'm going to go to another doctor and I'm going to see what he says. And when I told my symptoms, this doctor said, hey, we're going to do an endoscopy and put a camera in your stomach. And right away, he said, wow, you have a pretty severe case of gastritis. And then we could go ahead and go on to treat the gastritis. I think, you know, sometimes you have a gut instinct or you're just not sure or you maybe just feel nervous. And it can be a good thing to just go get another opinion because these doctors are working based on their experience. And I'm sure that doctor that said, oh, it's just IBS being a tricky disease, probably in many cases, he's right. They're basing it on what they've learned and what they've seen. But all these doctors, they, they've seen different things. So it can be good when they can kind of put their heads together and give you different treatment options that you can kind of see like, okay, I feel more strongly identified with what this doctor is saying. So I want to work with this doctor. Yeah. And our gut instincts are important to listen to because ultimately we know ourselves best. And That's all it is, is a gut feeling. And when you feel that something isn't quite right, don't quiet yourself. Listen to it and try to investigate why you think it's not quite right. And then 
maybe try to get the opinion of someone else and see if that opinion fits better with what you also think is wrong or going on with you. So our next tip, number six, is perhaps one of our most important tips, and this is how to use good descriptions to accurately describe your symptoms and your pain. So we live in a society of over-exaggerators, and that's just something that has become really normal for us. It may be normal to hear somebody say, my cramps are literally killing me. I hear that a lot. And they're not actually killing them, While they're at the gym. Or out to dinner with their friends, brunch. Um, So in this society that we live in, saying things like that or saying things like, it really hurts, actually sounds not so bad. But those are things that I'm sure doctors hear a hundred times a day. I'm literally dying. Uh, My stomach kind of hurts. Like they hear these generalizations that aren't actually effective for them to be able to understand the level of pain that you're experiencing. Well, those words, they really, they don't mean anything, Mm -hmm. right? I think that was one of my big problems when I was younger trying to seek treatment is just saying, I'm in so much pain. My period is killing me. And I mean, yeah, that is an accurate description. But everyone's saying that. So it means nothing to them. Exactly. So some good things to use when you're describing your pain. And of course, everybody experiences pain different. So tailor it to how you experience it. But using adjectives like burning or stabbing or aching or throbbing or ripping, those really descriptive terms. Yeah, so what kind of pain? Mm-hmm. So by telling the doctor how the pain actually feels in your body is more important because then they can understand the level of what you're experiencing through those terms. It's also really important to tell them where the pain is happening in an exact way, not just saying it hurts all over, but actually saying it's in my lower back on my left side right here and pointing to the area where you experience it or say on my lower abdomen it's burning and on my lower back it's ripping. So be very specific with where you're experiencing the pain and what kind. And it's also important to say if it's a constant pain, an intermittent pain, acute, or if it stays around for a long time, the time frame that you're experiencing the pain, like how long it lasts is also really important. And perhaps most important is what happens to you when you're in pain? So for Amy, she has a lot of experience where she's throwing up and crawling on the floor and having diarrhea, writhing around on the bed, screaming. Can't stay in one position for All more than 10 seconds. All of those things are so important to give you an accurate picture of what you're experiencing when you're experiencing that pain. If somebody says to you, I have killer cramps while they're out walking their dog, you're going to know that that type of pain is not the same as somebody who says, I have throbbing cramps in my lower abdomen for four hours and I'm writhing around on the floor. So learning how to actually use those descriptive terms to your benefit is really helpful because then the doctor will be able to understand that what you're experiencing is serious and it's severe. Well, and then they can judge for themselves how serious your pain is rather than them saying, how much pain do you have on the pain scale? And you say 10 and maybe maybe it is actually a real, like in my case, it's probably a nine and a half. But when the doctor sees people and they're saying 10, 10, 10, 10, 10 all day long. Your 10 means nothing. 10 doesn't mean anything. 10 is not the same as when my pain comes, I cannot go to work for three days. I cannot drive. I am screaming and crying and sobbing on the floor, throwing up 
nonstop and I have diarrhea 30 times an hour. And when it comes out, it feels like someone's ripping my anus with daggers. That makes me believe you. And not that nobody believes you now, but... Well, nobody did believe me when I was... Nobody believed you then. Nobody did believe me when I was younger. You're using the same types of terms that everybody uses to describe very different pain. We've all had experiences where somebody says, oh, my cramps are so bad right now. I just want to go to bed. And you're like, yeah, I couldn't get out of bed for three hours this morning. So, yeah. And it doesn't feel great to hear that. And when you're talking to a doctor, it's really important that you're not generalizing your pain. And that is a great reason to go to your doctor's appointments with everything written down, which is tip number seven. Think about what you want to say before you go to the doctor and write it down. So like Brittany said, you can write down your pain description. If you're having trouble, you can, you know, look up pain descriptions online and you can get some sentences that fit your pain because it can be hard to think of. I wouldn't have been able to say like, my pain is constant or something without having taken a look at something. But once you figure it out, write it down for yourself because it's hard to remember in that moment. Well, and the other thing is, like when I would go to the doctor, I would get really nervous. I would get really overwhelmed. I would I would always, you know, I would be alone and I like I just felt like I would start rambling and I would get nervous and then I that's get your point across. And then I would start crying and then the time with the doctor is so short and the next thing I knew it 10 minutes in and I wouldn't have said anything that I wanted to say or I would have forgotten to mention an important symptom. I would have forgotten to ask a question. So I used to well, I still do. I write everything down. And if I feel that I'm going to get nervous, like when I was giving my description of my pain, I would just practice before I went. Like I would, you know, be driving there and just practicing to myself what I wanted to say. Or I would tell the doctor, okay, I, I've brought a paper in with me so I don't forget anything. So I'm just going to read from it so that I hit all the key points. You know, and no doctor ever said, oh, look at you reading from that. They probably like it because they're like, yeah. oh, this girl is organized you, and she's right to the point. They and didn't we, say, oh, why are you here today? I don't know. Um, Yeah, I think <laughs> it, sometimes uh, my back hurts sometimes. <laughs> like, no, it's great to treat someone who wants to be treated in a full and complete way like that. So don't feel embarrassed for having to write stuff down or read stuff from your phone that you want to ask about. And if you cry a lot like me, it's really a great way to just stay on track and read it, and just stay calm. Tip number eight is to be careful about not generalizing the millions of doctors in this world based on the experiences you've had with a few. Guilty. (laughs) So whether you've had two really bad experiences or 22 really bad experiences, it's really important to not let those experiences affect your future treatment. So this is something that we've both had to work on based on the experiences that we've had with doctors. And it's actually caused Amy from in her 20s to stop seeking medical treatment, which is a very bad thing. We never encourage you to stop seeking medical treatment. But these past experiences colored her view of the future treatment that she could receive. And had she not gone on to seek treatment, she wouldn't have found the great, fantastic team of doctors that she has now. Her doctor is passionate and he cares and he's involved in her treatment and her getting better. And he's so knowledgeable. Yeah. So let's, he's so nice. Let's color the experience of doctors based on that one because they do exist and they're out there. So please don't feel discouraged from seeking medical treatment. It's really important to search for the right doctor and to take these tips to heart because the right doctor is out there 
but we can't prevent ourselves from finding treatment and seeking help based off of the poor experiences we may have had. Well, and doctors, they're all different people, right? Mm-hmm. So they're, they're people. They're individuals. They all have different bedside manners. They have different experiences. Like Skills. Diff- I mean, just because one doctor lacks empathy doesn't mean that all doctors are going to lack empathy. And, and just because one doctor didn't know about endometriosis. Doesn't or, mean they all do. Or, or five or six, right? <laughs> or most of them. But doesn't mean they all don't. Exactly. And I guess kind of rolled up with what you were saying is just the last tip, which is tip number nine, which is just don't let past experiences prevent you from seeking medical care, which is something that also guilty as charged because... You know, basically, with all my experiences, if you listen to my story of my struggle to be diagnosed, I just kind of subconsciously gave up and I just stopped going to the doctor and I stopped looking for treatment. And that is a huge mistake that I made. So in my teens, these doctors, they kept finding nothing wrong with me. I mean, you know, in spite of the diarrhea, cramps and and the chronic pain. All normal. But it was nothing. They told me over and over the doctors kept saying that there was nothing wrong with me. And I internalized that without even knowing it. And I was carrying around this hurt. I think of that rejection and this really deep self-doubt to the validity of, of my symptoms. When one doctor finally told me that it was anxiety, I mean, I actually started to wonder if, if I might be a little crazy. And then I kind of just stopped seeing the doctor. And then several years later, I began having a lot of pain in my stomach. So I began having different symptoms. And I remember I was telling my friend and she said, well, why don't you go to the doctor? And I said, well, they're not going to find anything wrong with me. So this is a totally new symptoms, a totally new pain. It was like seven years later after all those experiences. But I really, really didn't want to go to the doctor. And that was a huge mistake because by the time I finally went to the doctor, which was like about eight months later, I got diagnosed with severe gastritis and the symptoms were so bad. I mean, they were really disrupting my normal life and it was much harder to recover from. I think my big mistake there is just thinking that because of something that happened in the past, it wouldn't be any different for my new symptoms. I just kind of forgot how to listen to my body and how to trust my instincts. And I ignored like really obvious warning signs. I had a lot of pain in my stomach and then I was like burping and then the bloat was huge. And I just continued to believe that, well, there's not going to be anything wrong because they never find anything wrong. What if I had had stomach cancer? It was gastritis. I mean, it was serious, but treatable. But what if it had been something that wasn't treatable? And waiting all of that time caused it to be something way more serious and long-term devastating than gastritis. It's so important to not let yourself be discouraged by the experiences that you've had because I can assure you that most people have had really negative experiences with any aspect of their life, including medical care. So please remember that if you feel that you are having red flags, you need to go seek medical treatment because A couple months can mean a world of difference between you solving your pain earlier or you suffering through those couple months instead. So really don't let the past experiences color your perspective of doctors or your perspective of how your treatment's going to go in the future. And now that you know all of our really great tips about advocating (laughs) for yourself and properly describing your symptoms, 
getting a second opinion if needed. So hopefully that can help you find the doctor that's right for you. Get appropriate treatment. Just feel better about the decisions, empowered decisions that you're making. I hope that was helpful to you. And I hope that you learned a lot from all of my mistakes. And I hope that, you know, you're just also learning from the things that are happening to you. It's certainly, it's a journey. It's long. It's, it's really hard. So if you have any good tips, we'd love to hear them. Please reach out. And thank you so much for listening. <laughs>